Welcome to In That Case. My name is Joel Townsend and this is my podcast about important pieces of public interest litigation which have shaped Australian life. You can find previous episodes of the podcast on the website at www.inthatcasepodcast.com and you can find me on Twitter at at townsendjoelc. As always, would really welcome your suggestions for future episodes, any comments, uh, any improvements you think that I could make. So uh, we're coming into grand final week. Um, the AFL season is coming to an end, and in my household, uh, with Collingwood's departure in the preliminary final, that means I've got a couple of very disappointed children. However, um, they're holding on to some hope because the Collingwood VFLW team is in the grand final. And I want to talk today about the remarkable story of the Collingwood VFLW team coach, Penny Coolery. So in 2003, Penny Coolery was playing football as a junior footballer for the Murrumbina Junior Football Club. That was a team that played in the Moorabbin Saints Junior Football League. And she, in 2003, played more than 130 games for the club. But then, in the midst of that season, in May, the league became aware of a Football Victoria rule which prohibited girls aged older than 12 from playing in the junior competition. And Penny Reid was told that she couldn't play. Now, she was passionate about her football, and so were a couple of other young women who played in the same league. And the three of them, Penny Reid, Helen Taylor and Emily Stanier, took action in the Victorian Civil and Administrative Tribunal alleging unlawful discrimination. There was in the anti-discrimination legislation in Victoria as it then stood, uh, as there is now, a prohibition on unlawful discrimination in sport. They relied on uh, that prohibition on unlawful discrimination and the League relied on an exemption set out in the legislation which um, allowed for, in some circumstances, uh, discrimination in sport and it was used in order to exclude uh, these young women on the basis of their gender, partly because it was said uh, that the difference in body types between young men and young women meant that it wasn't appropriate for them all to be playing in the same league. So the three young women went off to VCAT and they sought immediately an interlocutory injunction, that is, um, an interim order of the tribunal to allow them to keep playing for the remainder of the season. And they played out the remainder of that season. But then in early 2004, there was a full hearing uh, on the question of whether the league was entitled to exclude them from playing. And the league won in that hearing and they were excluded from continuing to play. But one of the consequences of this case and the controversy which erupted in public about it was that there was a junior girls football league created in Victoria and we've seen in recent years an explosion in interest in women's football. 
it's really a generation of young women who are able to play football through their teenage years because of the courage of these three young women who brought this case back in 2003, which has created a significant part of the groundswell leading to the establishment of the AFLW, which has been so successful. But not only has there been that remarkable big picture story about women's football which has played out following this case, but Penny Cooler-Reed's story itself has been a remarkable one. She went on to play at women's football for a number of years and saw the formation of the AFLW and played for Collingwood in the initial season of that league. And she's gone on to coach and she is, on the weekend I'm recording this, coaching Collingwood in the VFLW Grand Final. So my older brother, we're only 13 months apart and uh, my dad grew up playing footy. He played footy for 30 odd years and um, I just wanted to hang out with my older brother. So we went down to the local football club and um, that was probably the first time that uh, I, not that I knew, but that's the first time that I sort of had um, any type of discrimination because we went down and they said, we'll take the boy, but not the girl. Um, and then my mum said, well, we'll go to a club that will take both of my children. So then we actually went to another football club and um, that was the Myron Bean and Julian Football Club when I was six and I started playing football when I was six. And did you find that there were, so there were other girls playing when you started, but fewer and fewer each year, or were you always sort of um, a bit of an outlier in that group? Um, to my knowledge that I was the only girl um, in the competition um, until I think when we sort of moved up in the age groups and they, there were a few other girls that sort of filtered through, but um, I was prob- I was the only girl at the club until uh, I think it was the under under 11 to under 12, and then a, a couple more girls came in the younger age groups. And was that something that um, you found at all problematic or difficult, or did you feel like an outlier, or did it simply feel like you were part of the team and, and gender issues weren't um, weren't problematic at all? Uh, around that age, there was, for me personally, I had no issues or no problems with my teammates um, and, and the club and the people around me, more so the opposition um, going, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to play in the girl. I'm going to get girl germs, and no, you play on the girl. So um, to try and stop that, I actually cut my hair short so I didn't look like a girl. Um, so none of the other teams sort of knew that I was any different. So that was probably my way of sort of fitting in. But at the same time, I sort of reflect back on it now and going, why should I have changed because of other people's opinions? I had no idea that there was an actual rule that girls couldn't play with the boys past the age of 12. And how was that brought to your attention? I mean, was that's, that's a, presumably a bit of a shattering thing for you to be told mid-season. Um, how's that news delivered to you and what's your first reaction? Yeah, so mum um, sort of... T- one night after football training and, and said, hey, hey, Penn, I've just got to talk to you about something. And I said, oh, yeah, mum, what have I done now type thing. Um, and she's, she said, um, I've just been informed that unfortunately you won't be able to play football with the boys anymore. And I said, why? And she said, because you're a girl. 
and I didn't understand it at the time and I was just like, oh, oh, okay, so does, what, like, what do you mean? And mum said, well, you won't be able to play football anymore. And it took a little while for me to really understand what that meant and I said, and then a couple of days later mum said, so Penny, you've had some time to think about it, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to play football. And that's when mum said, right, cool, let's go do something about it. So what was your first move then and how did you come into contact with um, Emily Stanier and Helen Taylor? Had you, did you already have a connection with them or was that something that formed through this? No, so I already knew that there were a couple of other girls playing in the competition and so my mum reached out to their families and said, you know, this is what we want to do, um, are you guys in type thing and um, lucky for us that we were all a part of it and we all wanted to be involved. Um, and obviously weight in numbers is also um, in our favour, so we decided, all three of us, to um, make this challenge and change um, together. And so you then, um, you first of all raised a concern with the league or did you go straight to the Equal Opportunity Commission? Um, from my understanding, we went straight to the courts Um got a um, legal team and Felicity Hampwell, who's now a really renowned judge, um, decided to take on the case and um, was really fortunate to do it pro bono. So she um, pretty much said, I want this case because I think it's important and I want to be a part of it. So um, she actually approached us when she sort of found out that we went went to the courts um, and said that I would like to take your case. As I said in the introduction, the first step for Penny and the other two young women who were seeking to contest their exclusion from football was to go along to the Victorian Civil and Administrative Tribunal and seek an order allowing them to play out the remainder of the 2003 season. They attended that hearing. There was a fair bit of publicity around that hearing and they were successful in the end. The tribunal found that what's called the balance of convenience was in favour of allowing them to play. That is, that the loss to these three young women if they were excluded from this year of football uh, would be far greater than any harm which might be suffered by the league and by Football Victoria in not having this rule enforced. Yeah, all of us were um, all of us were there, and um, being fifteen and not really understanding law and not really understanding, um, I guess, the language. It was more so just to show our faces and that we are real people and we are do have feelings. And um, I think really it was just a really strange experience because being in a place and having people talk for you, not understanding that how can you make a judgment about someone that you don't know um, was really frustrating. But at the same time, I knew it was really important that we had to be there and really important that we show the, op- you know, the op- opposition um, that we are real and that we do our feelings and that we're not your typical um, skinny young 15 year olds. We were actually athletes. Um, and that was really important for the three of us to be there. Did it colour your experience of the remainder of that year? Was there any anything about, um, was there any bad blood in the club or within the team about how things had unfolded? Uh, not from my end, no. It was the 
my teammates so the boys were really excited and happy for me to be playing we were fortunate enough to make um, a grand final that year and um, I think it was just a really great experience for me to be able to finish off the season with the boys knowing that it's going to be my last season with them Um, but it didn't really stop me from you know anything or going as hard as I normally would for the footy or um, I didn't take any notice of anyone in the crowd or the opposition I just went I was just there to play football. The provision relied on by the respondents to Penny Coolerade's complaint set out that it was permissible to exclude people of one sex or gender identity from participation in a sporting activity where the strength, stamina or physique of competitors was relevant. And the respondents argued in substance that as boys and girls develop, their physiques are on different trajectories and there reaches a point where it's not appropriate for uh, girls, for young women to be playing in the same league as, as boys, as young men. So this was the argument that was made and it relied heavily on some medical and statistical evidence provided to the tribunal. Ultimately, the tribunal accepted that there was a basis, a legitimate basis, on which uh, girls could be excluded from competing with boys in junior football, but found that the appropriate cut-off age was not 12, as the policy had set out, but 14. I talked to Penny Coolreed a bit about the evidence through the course of the hearing, a bit about the media and the experience of sitting through the whole of the hearing itself. Yeah, yeah, so um, I was at all of them. Um, I think the three of us were definitely all at all of them. And um, unfortunately, it was during my year... 10 exams so I was in and out of school doing exams um, coming to the court cases in the city Um, so it was a bit of a difficult time for myself but you know I think it was a great experience for me and looking back it was again probably a really important thing that we showed our face and we were there to make sure that we were being seen by you know the media and the opposition and everyone else that was in the courtroom Um, yeah, pretty surreal and I wish I could sort of go back now and just sort of be a fly on the wall and, and reflect on what this actually meant at the time. Didn't really have an understanding. All I knew was that we couldn't play football, um, but it did mean that girls past the under the age of 12 could now play football. There was some media about the story at the time. Did that? Um, did you find that that had an um, impact on you? Did you feel conscious that you were being that you were sort of a a public figure at the time? Yeah, it was interesting. We had newspapers and reporters um, knocking on my front door, waiting outside my house to sort of catch me when I'm going to school and um, catching the school bus, and had reporters trying to run me down at school and stuff. It was, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't the best of times, and having lots of cameras flashing in your face and when you're doing sort of media releases the photographers telling us sort of how to act or 
I want you to be angry now or look sad or be happy. And it's sort of like, why are you telling me what I should be looking at and how I should be looking? And it's frustrating in that aspect because, you know, we're getting sort of dictated to about what to sort of look like and um, being chased down the street by reporters when I'm trying to catch a school bus is also not something that every 15-year-old um, sort of comes across. Yeah. But I think, you know, that sort of has allowed me to be the person I am and being able to be um, open in front of the media, being comfortable in front of the cameras, especially in my career at the moment, it's important that I have that sort of um, confidence in myself. And as hard as it was at the time, it was, um, yeah, I kind of would never regret doing what, what we did. Did it feel frustrating to you that a standard uh, or an average of the body type of young women and young men was being used to make a decision about this rather than your actual athletic, physically robust body? Um, yeah, it, it's slightly frustrating, more so frustrating for Emily, I think. Um, she was a lot stronger than both Helen and myself um, at the time, and I think for her she didn't quite understand why she was put into this category um, rather than the individual. And I think there has been cases previously um, or since that, since the hearing that individual cases have been looked upon um, rather than the the overall and the um, pigeonholed of the, the stereotype or the stereotypical size of a particular person, a particular age. Um, so I do know that has been some individual cases pr- um, prior and post to our court case. But for me, it was more about um, the, that there was nowhere for us to go after the age of 12. There was no pathway for young girls to continue to play football. If they wanted to play past the age of under 12, they'd have to go into senior women. So then we'd lose that chunk of time to play football if we wanted to and potentially go to other sports or um, go and do other things rather than, you know, playing the sport that we love. So for me, that was the most important thing, not so much me being able to play. Um, it was more so allowing these girls to have the pathway and the opportunity um, after the age of under 12. So just coming to that, I mean, as I understand it, it was soon after that that there was then a league established that um, provided a um, competitive context for young women to play football. Do you recall when that was established? And if you could just reflect on that and reflect perhaps on where we are now with VFLW and AFLW and and, um, an increasing profile for women's football. Yeah, I mean... It's really funny. I do get asked this question um, a fair bit, you know, if do you ever get the chance to reflect? And I think being a part of the AFLW in the first season and being able to play the highest level possible, it, it didn't really come to my attention that it was, I had a really big hand in that happening. Um, and I get asked, you know, geez, you know, what would you do if you're 15 now? You know, would would you want to go and be 15 now because all these opportunities for young women are around? And I sort of sit back and go, well, if I was 15 now, I wouldn't have done what I did when I was 15 years old and none of this or some of this might have never happened. Um, and, it, you know, a lot of people that sort of are around me kind of go, do you not understand how important what you did back then has really evolved in the snowball effect of 
that court case and the development and the the history of, of women's football and because um, I don't see it any differently. It's just, you know, I don't quite understand that sort of thing, but um, I do get reminded every now and then that if I hadn't have done um, along with Helen and Emily done what we did back in 2003, then AFLW might not have been possible um, in 2017. There's a lot of medical evidence given and a lot of argument uh, of the course of those three days. Did you come out of that hearing thinking, oh, I think we're in a bit of trouble here, or were you hopeful that you might be allowed to play the following year? Um, I think it was a hope uh, more than anything, but... Um, I think I've also come to the realisation that at at the age of 14 and 15, there are some pretty significant differences in the size of males to females. Um, but I do agree that the, like we females mature, um, earlier than, than the males. And by the age of 12, I was actually centre half forward and playing in the ruck, um, as a young female 12 year old, because I hit puberty before the boys did that. As soon as we hit 15, um, 14, 15, yeah, the, the boys sort of put on a bit more muscle size. But in terms of me personally, it didn't worry me because of the dilemma I had as a, as a young footballer that I could either outrun them, outplay them, or outsmart them, um, depending on who the opposition was and where I was playing. So it's a, it's a sort of, again, a catch-22 where um, individually I didn't feel any different, but I think for the benefit and the purpose of what it brought, um, I think it for me now reflecting on it, it's um, a really good decision because past the age of under twelve, um, you know the maturity and the pu- as we get older, um, both males and females hit puberty differently and at different times. So I think the age band of under fourteens um, is probably spot on the money. you're able to um, know back then that you would ultimately be able to make a career in football, what do you think you would have been saying to yourself aged 15? Uh, I mean, I've always dreamt of one, you know, being able to play football at the highest level, um, but but knowing that AFLW never existed, my next goal was to be the first female coach of the Collingwood Football Club, Um, and I've sort of been able to do both. To be honest, um, pretty fortunate in the position that I was in to one um, create or be a part of the creation of the 2017 AFLW onslaught, but also you know now paving the way for females to be able to step up and coach at you know the highest level that they can in a, in a sport that's you know predominantly males, but be able to sort of pave the way for them as well people shouldn't be able to tell you what you can and cannot do based on gender or um, ethnic, um, on who, sexuality, anything like that. I think it's, again, important that um, there are these stories are being told and we can use this in a format that sort of allows people to not be afraid to have a voice and not be afraid to sort of um, stand up for what they believe in. Penny Coolridge is a really remarkable story and it's wonderful to see that the passion which took her to litigate this question has also carried her to a really successful career in football. I really appreciate her speaking to me and once again 
please give me any comments you have, give me any suggestions you have for future shows. You can find me on Twitter at, at Townsend Joel C. And you can find previous episodes of the podcast on the website at www.inthatcasepodcast.com. I look forward to joining you on the next episode of In That Case. Mm-hmm.